1: Welcome to the Really 007 podcast, I'm Tom Pickup, and I'll be your host for this, our debut episode, where we will be discussing Octopussy. <laughs> <laughs> Together with a team of screaming superfans, Roger apologists, of the Day apologists, and, and Craig Not Bond. Speak for yourself. <laughs> uh, we will be assessing every James Bond film on this podcast. No topic will be left undiscussed, from the hairline of Sean Connery to the favourite <laughs> condiments of Carl Stromberg. We will mix humour, <laughs> serious film criticism, and a true lover bond to create a cocktail far more satisfying than a Vogue film martini. Baffling that people don't really order them in a bar, um, if only to explain the catchphrase, shake not stirred. Yeah. I don't, th- I don't think they're a very nice person. Anyway, our team of double-O agents tonight features uh, men with very little in the way of hand-to-hand combat experience, <laughs> much like Roger Moore. <laughs> uh, although, to be fair, one such guest is an amateur boxer, uh, but he's probably not caused as much physical and emotional damage to his enemies as Daniel Craig did to Mathis. <laughs> okay. Thanks, uh, yeah, <laughs> we'll be casino around and we'll give it a chance, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> All right. uh, yeah, so here we go. Here with me are three top gents. John Kell. Good to say hello, John?
2: Hello, John. Good to uh, good to be here on the Really 007 podcast. Good lad. Uh, we've got Rob Parker
1: here. Hello there. And we have Mr. Chris Goldie. Hello. You don't want to be called Goldfinger, Chris, or anything... <laughs> Uh, Bond-related. Well, let's see how we get going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, without further ado, we will uh, hear a little bit more about these uh, these fascinating men. So, John, first of all, just tell me, how did you get into James Bond? Um, so, when I was ten year old, I went on a
2: school trip to Whitby, and uh, we had a curfew that we had to we had to go into our rooms at eight o'clock. And um, there was a small telly in the room at eight o'clock and it was on a Wednesday night. And I don't know if you remember this, but in the 90s, ITV used to play James Bond films on a Wednesday night uh, from eight till 10. And um, we sat and watched this and we turned it on. Uh, It was Live and Let Die. And I remember specifically the scene was when Roger Moore had just slept with Rosie Carver. And then the scarecrows uh, came and and uh, was spying on her, and it was that scene where um, she gets shot, and from that moment on, I was in. I was in it was straight away after that. <laughs> not,
3: not, not because I've got a problem. with side. <laughs> this is
4: you know a, a woman no. gets murdered and immediately it's this is my bag. This is absolutely my bag. <laughs> this is this is uh,
2: exactly what we didn't want to hear within minutes of that one, isn't it? Um, yeah. No. So basically, from that, the next week I was enticed. Sat down, said to my mum, I want to watch James Bond, and we sat and we watched The Man with the Golden Gun, and oh, the yes. rest is
1: history. Brilliant, jump. Oh, yes. And, uh, Rob, how did you first get into Bond?
4: Uh, Sunday afternoons with my uh, my granddad. Uh, but I, I mean, I think I was sort of three or four, um, and it literally started. He had Dr. No on VHS, so I started. That was the first one I ever saw. Um, and it developed very quickly into... Um, proper sunday afternoon bank holiday set your vcr treat you know um and i'm 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 the voice on another podcast the for your reconsideration film podcast and my love for Bond is so treasured and precious that um we're not allowed to speak about it on there because you know they might say something that upsets me <laughs> <It'll> <laughs> <set> me off <laughs> something positive about daniel craig for instance well, you know, I mean, uh, this is probably I don't know whether you want to talk about this, but it's its too painful to talk about and Bond died for me in 2002, so um, you can scrub almost 20 years it's, that's why it's so painful to talk about It was actually at the halfway mark of dying of the day I was watching it at the Apollo in Morecambe the morning of its release and um, the um, the projector failed at the end of the fencing scene so we all had to go out to the lobby and we were like, oh you know, can't wait to go, go back in went back in, and then I thought the the second half was a joke like I thought like is it have they put the right film back in the projector you know I literally thought they'd they'd mess the reels up and that was the last time truthfully I've ever been excited about Bond so I am a weird person possibly to have on this but anything you know so yeah very interesting little did I know that of course that second half of Dying Another Day should have been treasured like mad (laughs) This is going to be a cathartic experience. This for you, is right? therapy. Yeah. This is
1: therapy. Therapy. <laughs> well, uh, Chris, I, I know you're perhaps a little bit less cool towards the Daniel Craig bonds, but which uh, which was the first one you saw?
3: Uh, technically, it was Living Daylights at the cinema um, oh, with my with wow. my family. Um, which, yeah, it was like like formative memories. Like it was that and Ghostbusters for the first couple of films I saw at the cinema. It was just like perfect introduction to to cinema. Um, But, yeah, with Bond, I've just, like, I don't know, it's just always been there. My dad was a fan. I have an older brother, and he was a fan. So it was just like, like you say, bank holidays, you know, kind of the music is everywhere as well when when the the, the films are released um you know and it was just kind of i don't know kind of there were periods when i fell in and out of love with it but it's always been pretty consistent in in my kind of life and it's there's something quite um comforting when you go back and see and watch something that that you know maybe isn't the best Form of cinema, but it has its moments, and I think that's you know, it's nice to go back and, and and also those films change as you get older. You do see them for what they are, and whether it's you know, ridiculous or actually you missed something, you think actually that's quite sophisticated, it kind of went right over my head. But yeah, for me, Bond has always been part of kind of my life, so but yeah,
1: yeah. I've- I think that's fascinating because Mm. you see them as a child uh, and they have a completely different picture in your mind and then you kind of watch them again and you maybe understand the plot I remember, but me and my brothers used to fast forward the talking scenes. So that's what I felt like last time I watched it. Yeah. Well- <laughs>
4: don't, yeah. Don't worry. There's not much plot to go at. So, yeah. well, well, I just
1: think it's taken twenty viewings, and none of us still understand it. I
4: still don't guys. really know. I I, I I really paid attention this time, and I still don't know yeah, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, dare I just a quick test to see who. Possibly your
1: favourite Bond or Bond film <sighs> is. I know you do not have to, to to answer this. You know it's it's not a formal interview. Uh, please, please, John, do 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 just uh, try and answer that for, for to start us off.
2: Timothy Dalton, License to Kill.
1: Whoa, whoa, just go straight in there. Yeah, I think <laughs> I'll, that's I'll a. Say it. it might be controversial to a mainstream opinion, but I think. On lovers like ourselves, that is a, a very popular choice,
4: I guess. Because I, I, I think it's mine for both. I think it could yes, be mine, Rob. yeah. It, it, yeah, I I. I love it, uh, yeah, absolutely. I thought Dalton, I just wish we'd have had seven Dalton movies. Um, oh, and I, I, yeah, I just want the like the villains to be like Sanchez, you know, so much threat, yes, and something... Sanchez. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I just want, I want, yeah i find that really hard though actually that's too difficult because when i like they're all mashed up in certain ways in my head like for example like watching octopussy i was taking particular notes about the wardrobe and he doesn't wear a, a baby blue safari suit in it and i thought he did at one point and he doesn't you know i was like whoa you know like so that's obviously i need to go and find is it in spy Who love me possibly he wears like a baby blue suit jacket i can't could remember be, could be um, on the gun actually yeah, it could, yeah I just can't so now I've got to go right I've got to go And you know so yeah uh, the character uh, I don't mean the character Bond I mean the character of the movies uh, mm. and the sort of like the texture there's a way that Bond makes you feel as a person and as a viewer that you can reach out and touch and hold and it's like um, I love that you were saying Chris about it being comforting you know like it, there is like Bond movies are like like jumpers that you put on at Christmas and just like ah, oh, you know it's that special time of it's year it's very though, true though. it is yeah I think Sad License people. to Kill <laughs>
1: yeah, it's become that go to film I think hasn't it uh, Yeah. Uh, you oh, just yeah. need some instant hit and even you come in after a night out or something like that or you, you're just a bit jaded any time of the day License to Kill delivers I think
2: Oof, but yeah. it's got everything going for it that's the thing though isn't it yeah you know, like it, I mean, it's it's it, all right. It's got the violence and all. Sorry, this is an octopusy podcast, but <laughs> so, so we may as well start. With, carry on, but um, you know, you've got you've got the the violence. You've got the great bad guy, but you've got one of the first examples of Bond using his wit to actually um, yeah. defeat an enemy, as opposed to just like. Kickass, and then do a silly comment at the end of it. And I remember watching that as a teenager, just being so impressed and thinking to myself, "Don't disrespect it." I love Bond, but I was like, "This is a proper movie." Do you yeah. know that I, yeah, I watched, yeah, I I'm what like, "This is a proper movie." And then um, it's got so much links to like Lethal Weapon, Die Hard, and uh, well, they're uh, the holy trinity of action films for me. So there oh. we go
1: can't go on with that yeah oof yeah. I think it's uh, it's got the most at stake hasn't it well certainly up until that point oh, yeah. you actually thought hang on this is this is this is big this and I'm, I'm rooting oh, for Bond yeah. and you know I can't stand this bad guy although I do find him charming he's
3: brilliant uh, <laughs> but anyway yeah I think the film that what it has a lot don't <laughs> And let's say Daniel Craig thing is, is for another time. But it, and I think Daniel Craig's films have been trying to get to that point. There's no sense. Well, in *License to the Kill*, there's a sense of danger. It's unpredictable. Yes. There's there's, there's yep. it's not playing with the the rules. Yeah. You know, you you don't feel on safe ground with that film. Uh, you know, that's like I
4: totally agree,
3: Chris. Someone's you know someone's been eaten Swan. by a shark. You know. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And, and those those know, lovely uh,
4: wet noises, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh.
3: and the ending. See
4: you in hell, Sanchez. <laughs> yeah. Sanchez, you know, with the nose, chest, chest, yeah. Sanchez.
3: And, the, and, and you know, Where's the ending wife? is genuinely shocking and graphic. It's, oh. yeah, you know, it, there's nothing quite like it. And I think how, you can tell over the years how it's been re-evaluated And it's, at the time, it was off. It was a bit kind of just regarded as like, just trying to be kind of a big you know a bit more violent action film but yeah I think it's a great one
1: well I actually saw Living Dead that's at the cinema but I must have been five something like that I can barely remember it um, <laughs> James took me the when there used to be a cinema in Rottenstall but I of course then wasn't old enough because Licence to Kill was a 15 so I think when Goldeneye came out that was probably the real my word this is James Bond I get to see him for the first time other than on old videotapes, yeah. So uh, being brought up on all the other Bonds, loving them equally, but then I suppose Pierce Brosnan is my generation's Bond. Uh, yeah, same here. Not that he's got the edge for me. I, I have days where I like one more than the other. Maybe <laughs> apart from the latest guy, but uh, apart from that, <laughs> I, I don't. I never like to say who my favourite Bond is because, as I, I think I said to you, Chris, the other day, that they're, they're like my children. I love them equally. Oh. Even though it's I don't
4: lovely. have any kids, but uh. <laughs> Chris, what, what's who's your
3: favorite? Uh, yeah, it's like uh, it's difficult. It, I think it depends on my mood. I think it's it's you yeah. know like, um, like like Living Daylight is I think is 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 a perfect bomb film because it's it represents the proper kind of those Ian Fleming kind of influences. It has a real kind of plot. You know, it's about the Cold War. It feels like a proper spy thriller, you know, and that's what Bond never really quite, over the years, has never quite got. So, yeah, that's always what I go to. I think Dalton is fantastic. Um, I, do, I do keep coming back to the first three Conneries, mm. and I, they, they switch. That's interesting. Um, and, and I think, you know, and, and then on Her Majesty Secret Service, which, which, for me, was like a lost Bond film, you know, I like I hadn't ne- It was like in my head. It was like, "Oh, they found this thing. Who's this guy, and why have Why is this never on ITV?" You know, at the time, it was the one that they never showed. So, discovering that much later, it was just like, oh. "Wow, what a revelation!" This it, again, it's like. He has emotions, (laughs) yeah. yeah, I I like, you know. I I think, and you know, and it's it's impossible to to dislike Roger Moore. You know, he's he's so likable that that you know his films are of varying quality. And like I say, if you're not in the mood for something that's a bit flippant or silly, or then it can, can, you know, I admit they can be a bit grating. But yeah, for me, I think those first few Connerys, I think where Connery is looks the part isn't kind of going a bit soft you know his toupee is actually quite good you know he he looks <laughs> you know he looks hard as nails in the, in the same way that Dalton looks like he would kick your teeth in you know he's yeah, not yeah, yeah. he's dangerous and True. that's the, the point and he is like a you know like like, like in John Akari novels he talk about like scalp hunters you know he is one of those you know he's not the yeah. you know to, to coming at this at a political angle he's not going to talk you out. he's going to your head in, uh, yeah. and you better watch out, kind of thing. But yeah, Connery for those first few films, I think he's, he's perfect. And I go between the, the, those three. I think George Lazerby is a is a is a good Bond, and he could have been a great Bond. Yeah, um, Agreed. But yeah I, I, It's really difficult, but I, yeah. I, 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 Connery just pips it.
1: If I have to say, yeah. you can't argue against Connery, can you? You know, how, however much we love the others. You can't Um, say no. I didn't really like Connery, or no, he wasn't that good at this, and (laughs) or John.
2: So I I love Connery. Um, I I think all Bonds have their merits. Um, I think when I think of who my favorite Bond is, I kind of look at it mathematically. So um, and I think Connery is absolutely superb in the first four Bond films, and I think he's really disinterested and You Only Live Twice and I think he I don't think it's his problem but I think Diamonds Are Forever is just for me a very weird film and
1: um, Can't wait to discuss that that one
2: (laughs) (laughs) The Bond that Sean Connery portrays in that is not the Bond that he portrays in, say, Doctor No. And Absolutely. So, so what I would say is, is, is that he has a ratio of four great performances to two not-so-great, whereas... God he did rog...
1: seven He did Never Say Never Again. No. Oh, is
2: that a Bond film? <laughs> oh, sorry, I didn't realise. <laughs> oh, <right. laughs>
1: we will discuss it, even if we decide it wasn't even a Bond film after all. <laughs> um,
2: but, like, if you look at Rog, I know people, he has his critics, it, but Rog is he's always game he's always game for it he's always willing he, he's consistent and um, so for me that's why I don't always put Connery I'd say is about my third or fourth favourite but he's still brilliant you know I love them all
1: I mean well, a hit ratio him. you've got Dalton's two out of two good grief I mean, exactly you're not going to top that are you
2: <sighs> yeah you're not well. bee has got a one out of one, which is hundred percent, but it's not. Yeah. Here, you know? Sp- I'm giving away all my thoughts before we haven't we? Get are, us, aren't we? Uh, <laughs> the films here, aren't you we? Know? Not a I chance. Shut up. Not a
1: chance. <laughs> we will actually now talk about uh, octopusy. O-cut-o- Dear
4: yes. Yeah, yes. He adds an extra syllable, doesn't he?
1: O-cut-o- he does, he does indeed. Um, yeah, so first on the menu is the curate egg or should I say Fabergé egg uh, that says octopusy. First time I didn't actually say it uh, like uh, Kamal Khan does. So Roger Moore <laughs> donned the dinner jacket and safari suit for the penultimate time in this uh, bonkers but brilliant, silly but serious 80s classic. Now, John, are we going to have a, a little bit of trivia? I think the best way to do this... I'm going to ask five
2: questions. And we're going to... I reckon the best way to do it would be... Um, fastest... I, first one to shout out. But I reckon we should... I reckon the way to get who shouts out first is you've got to shout... Oh, I got double <laughs> And uh, whoever shouts that first, that's like your buzzer. And okay. then you get the permission to do it. All right, then. So... Question one. What time is the atomic bomb set to detonate oh, at? Pussy. Mr. Robert Parker. It's 3.45pm. That is correct. Oh. <laughs> yes.
1: Very good, Rob.
2: <laughs> Question two. At Sotheby's, uh, Jim Fanning says that the Jim? Fabergé egg should sell for what price Octopussy
4: was that you again bro? Oh, yeah it <laughs> was very quiet it was uh, lovely it yes. was a <laughs> Octopussy wasn't it <laughs> he's he's ex- he's expecting Um. oh uh, th- no more than 300,000
2: yes he says yeah that's spot on no. yeah 250 to 300,000 oh, yep, yeah. that's spot on yeah great stuff Nice and easy one. First one to shout out. What fearsome mammal does Bond briefly encounter when being chased by Kamal's men riding elephants?
4: There's so many, I mean <laughs>
2: <laughs> Fearsome Mammal.
4: Oh,
5: <laughs>
1: <laughs> that sounded like Roger Moore saying it. <laughs> it was Roger Moore's impression of uh, Louis Jordan. Uh, I think the mammal he encounters has to be the uh, le tigre, uh, it, it the tiger. It certainly is. Sit. Is it, is it yeah.
2: not man itself? Man itself! See Excellent. What is the name of the airbase that Orloff plans to set off the atomic bomb? Octopusy. Thomas I think it's uh, Feldstadt uh, yeah uh, if I could give you a bonus point for the accent
1: I would <laughs> <laughs> gorgeous pronunciation <laughs> Bundesliga obsession uh, in the last few months <laughs> Feldstadt 0-4
2: yeah. uh, very good yeah mm. um, ok mm. and the last one for the win so it's 2-2 two, two and 0 so Chris you can still get yourself a consolation point Um what is the name of Kamal's residence
4: Octopussy Mr <laughs> Robert Parker the the Monsoon Palace that is correct yes so, well done <laughs> <laughs> bit of a
1: thrashing though wasn't it <laughs> <laughs> have you just watched it this last few seconds Rob <laughs> <laughs>
4: should, should IMDB it, or, yeah, yeah. no no, yeah, no. Uh, it, was, it was a bit I uh, watched an hour yesterday an hour today so yeah. oh. <laughs> very If you do that with
1: uh, the the dine of the day, then uh, we could be in trouble. <laughs> uh, or Casino <laughs> out, discussed anyway. Yeah. So uh, with that, thank you, John, for that. That was excellent and we will be having regular trivia for, for each film we cover, including Never So Never Again. One of the first question is Never So Never Again canon. <laughs> <laughs> So where does Octopussy place itself in the Bond film series? Well, it was the unlucky number thirteenth film overall. So there was a few uh, rumours about that when the production was going on, uh, and a few injuries. I know that uh, a couple of crew members were injured, in, particularly in the train sequences. And uh, I think most of the cast uh, had the usual illnesses you do uh, if you go to a, a foreign land like India. So yes, on the oh, toilet uh... quite a lot. Yeah. <laughs> So yes, it was the second film of the 1980s. It was John Glenn's uh, second film as director, and it was Ron- Roger's sixth and penultimate outing as 007. This had come after, of course, the more serious and gritty Fiores Only*, um, something Daniel Craig uh, would, would later attempt. Uh. And, uh, ra- <laughs> I'll stop. I'll stop, Daniel. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, there's only it wasn't one Daniel Craig attempting it. Was Daniel Bauer. It? So, no. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Roger at the moment was on a, a rolling film film by film contract. The first three he was signed to uh, ended with Spy Love Me, and from then on he was uh, angling more money, I think, each time, uh, which Sean did and all the other actors have done. In fact, I think the, that's possibly what Lazenby did. The, there were rumours that he was sacked, but I think it was just he, he tried to, to get too much money. But, uh, Oof. Yeah, yeah. Oof. That was it. Interesting. Yes, so, in the background to all this, we had uh, the former producer, Kevin McClory, who had got his mitts on uh, the Thunderball story, uh, which he had actually co-written for the screen. I know Rob will know a thing about this, uh, I think because he sold the rights to the screen version of the book, separate to the the Ian Fleming story. So, with that, he uh, was able to get uh, producer rights on this, but... After a difficult legal battle in the 1960s and the 70s, he finally got his reversion of Thunderball made uh, into what became Never Say Never Again and it was to be released in the same year, 1983. So, amazingly, I mean, I was barely a year old then, we had uh, Roger versus Sean, two James Bonds going head-to-head. Uh, and like I said, we will be discussing that uh, non-official entry to the Bond collection in another episode. But, The fact that both films were coming out at the same time gave the the real Bond production company, E.ON, a few headaches. Now, McClory had paid enough money to get uh, the ageing Sean Connery back on board, so he had that uh, in their favour for the purists, even though he was looking slightly older than Roger, even for his age. I think actually (laughs) Roger's a year older, isn't he? Um, He is, yeah. He was taking a bit better care of himself than than, uh, Sean at the time, perhaps. Uh, but <laughs> perhaps he even looked better than he did in Diamond's Heart Forever but, uh, <laughs>
2: yeah yeah pretty much no arguments so
1: yeah so the problem was uh, for McClory and the Never Say Never Again film was that uh, classic elements such as the Bond theme uh, the Gun Barrel logo for instance could not be used uh, due to the legal uh, rules that they negotiated and um, so again, sounds a bit like Casino Rale, isn't it? Uh, we don't want the Bond theme in it. We don't want the Gun Barrel logo in it. Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, so the Broccoli's uh, the Bond producers wanted to emphasise the the more official nature of the picture. So even though, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on this a little bit, that uh, there were other actors considered for Bond because after, at this stage, Roger was just saying, oh, no more, no more. At this time they, they definitely wanted him back on board because they wanted a familiar face to go up against Sean. So he was lured back uh, to give the audience some familiarity. John Barry was also back uh, as the Bond composer because in the 70s and 80s he uh, missed some of the films, uh, particularly with uh, Roger Moore, because of uh, some tax problems and he was uh, pretty busy in the US. So it was uh, great to have him back on board now. This is just a a little bit uh, of Roger talking about his contract negotiations.
6: The point is that I have a contract to do one bond. When we started off with Live and Let Die, they had one for three. And I did those three, and then after that, they're never quite sure whether I'm going to drop down dead, so they only bothered to make one picture contract. When the negotiations were going on for the contract on this film, uh, were were you or Cubby aware that the, the other movie we shooting uh, does did that give you any leverage? Oh, uh, we were aware that it was planned. I don't think it gave us any leverage at all. I, of course, Jack Schwartzman came to me and asked me if I wanted to do that, or did I want to do this? Yes, of course, he gave me a certain amount of leverage. I said to Sean, which one do you want to do? He didn't do, want to do the one with Cubby. So I'm here, and he's there.
1: So yeah, it was a, a very interesting, uh Bond versus Bond that was going at the time. Um, Interesting. What What hmm. do you guys think about that? I mean, would you have loved to have been a fly on the wall, living at the moment uh, that those came out?
4: Very tough to answer that. Um, Who's,
1: whose camp would you have been in? You would have been in. Is it, you know, do you go with the official uh, oh, well, I'm still, uh,
4: still the same one I'd have been with now. Yeah, official, yeah. definitely. Um, and I think yeah, that those, um, if my sensibilities are the same, I would have probably at that age enjoyed the more films more so i would have wanted more to carry on
2: uh same here i agree with that definitely yeah
3: i think um even though he you know is starting to sort of creak a little he's still you know <laughs> i think he's still definitely kind of like say he's got the charisma and that enthusiasm for the role and i think that carries him quite far um yeah, and, and Connery, just seems, it just seems like such a cynical attempt, isn't it, to revive his career, you know, to try and do this slightly naff Bond, where it. Like, it is Bond just by name. You, like you say, you, you miss what makes Bond, uh, all the sort of trappings. Um, but, yeah, I think, of course, you know, it's, it's got to be more, 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 more. <laughs>
1: Yeah, absolutely. More is not less. I say, yeah, but I, I think you're right, though. Um, certainly at the time, I, I I don't think Sean was in the best of shape career-wise, was he? I mean, before the Untouchables and Last Crusade, which pretty much rocketed him back, and uh, Hunt for Red October, I think he was yeah, slightly yeah. in the wilderness in those times.
2: I'll just have a look on his IMDb, see if there was anything of you note know, in those
4: early eighties.
1: Man searches on internet. Um.
4: absolutely <laughs> uh, fact check that that yeah. it's it's crazy though i mean like t- to think of more I mean more the guy um he looks so interesting in this you know like he doesn't look it, it's that like i I, I love of you to a kill so much but I do feel he was too old by that point but yeah, I, I just think he's on the cusp of it here which actually makes for a really interesting bond. You know who's probably at the tail end of his career, still trying to do, you know, like there's he makes some noises in it that <laughs> an older man is the only, uh, you know, like <laughs> like with the, the leech, for example, <laughs> yeah, you know, like yeah. A, young, a young man doesn't make <laughs> those noises, you
2: know. <laughs> Feel free
1: to to keep doing these noises throughout, so. <laughs> even if it wasn't a buzz I, around. I mean, just to pick up
2: on what Rob said, I think that this film really hits roger's age really well so i think that the um the chemistry between him and maude adams i think is really spot on in terms and i think some of it is because they're a similar age whereas stacy sutton um wonderful actress but um <laughs> take that as you will but um <laughs> It's, it's a bit cringeworthy at the end of view to a kill uh, when roger's making some some little comments to himself in the shower um and it just doesn't work does it but i think with octopus it really works i think i think there's genuine tension and genuine fear um in the whole aspect of the bomb scene as well and i think that it's it's not an over the top like, say, Goldeneye, where we're on a Russian tanker going through St. Petersburg to stop an army. It's genuinely just a man. All right, he's dressed in a clown suit, but it's a man. Just Great trying. clown fit. <laughs> <laughs> he's just trying to stop a bomb by driving a car in Germany. And I think it, I think there's a realism to that that is really fitting to this film. It is a...
1: a- well, a Cold War spy thriller, really. It I mean, is, he does yeah, a lot of spy. It really is. <laughs> <It's just laughs> so so right. really
4: is. You know, yeah. like that, which is it's, like you know, before you said Tom, you know, like in when you were sort of doing a little bit of a summary of the film, that you know, it goes from the. Uh, the silly to the serious is there anything more embodying that than that moment when he runs in and he's in a full clown suit and he's like "damn it man there's a bomb in there"
1: <laughs> that's know that works so well
4: And I I he's so earnest with all that makeup on and he's just t- delivered one of the most cinemas most cripplingly satisfying nut shots with a clown shirt <laughs> 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 and, and, and like but tw- you know tens of thousands of people are going to die in seconds and and then you've still got this happening. It's how can you not enjoy this? I I really think
2: it works. I have a lot of criticism about. Oh, it's Bond in a clown suit. So they've jumped the shark. I really think this works. <laughs> I don't. I don't think it's stupid. I think it's quite a believable thing to do to get him inside the circus. Mm. You know because. He's-
3: yeah, and it kind of Sorry. bookends, you know. with obviously 009 yeah, in the same right. costume, so yeah, it absolutely. kind
2: of it works.
3: And like you say, that that the, that tension and that and that sense of frustration when he's tr- he's trying to bring the ha- bring, bring the the axe down and the people yeah. are grabbing him, and that's where the tension is. And also, like you say, the stakes are high. With this, this bomb going to go off, but it's kind of like the begin. It's not the end of the world. It's quite a believable. You know, it's Absolutely. not like the end. Of the universe is about to explode. It's it's a, a, a it's the beginning of a world war, and in this quite small kind of area, this air force base. So the 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 the, the stakes are believable, and I think that's the, those those scenes that I think that that really kind of lend you know are really. It does it, you know. It kind of counterbalances the, the the some of the more ridiculous stuff, like the tennis playing kind of thing. <laughs>
1: oh, the crowd. Yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> oh, game set and match. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's uh, let's just hear a bit of uh, Roger comparing himself to Sean.
6: Would you would you be amused? For example, if the advertising came out and said Sean Connery is. James Bond. Uh... Well, I think there are two productions in London going on at the moment of Midsummer Night's Dream. I mean, there have been many times Hamlet's been playing at the same time, in the same town. And your interpretation of Bond has been... Is Hamlet. And his is... <laughs> well, his is Midsummer Night's Dream. <laughs> I look around for jokes all the time because I'm a clown sean in a, an interview said that <coughs> he approached it seriously and let humor come out of it whereas i went in the comedy door going in and came out the only the only problem i had at the beginning of uh, live and let die with guy hamilton i said to you, you uh, it, the only thing that i say you know that seems to come out scottish is my name is Bond, James Bond. And so I said, we're going to have to watch that one. But we knocked out things like Martina shake and not stirred in the beginning uh, so that I was not doing anything. That they say, oh, my God, you know, that, that you could compare the two of us. This picture has taken you to, to India, which I guess is perhaps the most exotic location. Exotic may not be quite the right word. But, uh, well, no, India certainly is exotic. Where we were was exotic. It's... Um, sort of main drawback is the heat that you work in when you when you go as a tourist to india it's it's rather lovely you wear the right clothes but jim bond runs around like an idiot in a, in a dinner suit
1: what a lovely warm brown voice he has which <laughs> <laughs> is how Alan partridge describes him
4: <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's still um he's still bond isn't he oh he's so smooth oh, just isn't He just sounds the same he's, you know uh, that's, just brilliant isn't it yeah just everything about him's lovely
1: yeah, so, like I say, before he agreed to uh, sign on for one more film, even though, of course, he then went on to do another with a View to a Kill, uh, a number of other actors were screen-tested. Now, I don't know whether you've seen the deleted scenes and uh, outtakes, but one of them was uh, more prominent, the James Brolin, Bro- who <laughs> un- underratedly <laughs> is, um, is married to Barbara Streisand. Under- underrated. Ah. Uh, another uh, actor was uh, Michael Billington. Now if people aren't familiar with that that name he, he was actually the lover and uh, KGB agent of uh, the lover of Anya Masova in no Spy Lovely. Yeah, that gorgeous guy that gets killed on the the, the opening crawl on the on the on the, <laughs> I, on the Alps I have always I have always thought. I did not know that,
2: but I have always thought that guy has a real George Lazenby vibe mm. about him. <laughs> like he's, with the chiseled jaw and, and the, the, the black hair is so. it the ski, uh, yeah i can i can see that i can see that one yeah yeah definitely. He, he doesn't
1: look russian does he but uh he uh, he looks like james bond i give him that <laughs> yeah but uh actually tim dalton was mentioned at this time uh and i think even even he said he was too young then which which is well, these things have a habit of working themselves out don't they and we know yes. that Pierce Brosnan and I think was considered, wasn't well, he was almost there, wasn't he, with um, Living Daylights until his contracts at Remington Steel got in the way. Mm. So anyway, we have uh, Roger on board, Uh, we've got John Barry on board, and we've also got a very safe pair of hands uh, with John Glenn as director. Now, he's been involved with the the franchise since On A Manchester Secret Service, where he was editor, because Peter Hunt, the normal editor, was promoted, effectively, to director. Uh, he's also been a second unit director himself, and he was finally almost given his uh, his chance to direct in Fury's Only. I think he was almost like a he he couldn't be more experienced in the production realm, so he knew yeah. exactly what he was doing. Um, yeah. And you might, might have a go at his flair, perhaps, and, and those kind of choices. But he he is Mr. James Bond off screen. You, what, what do you think of him as a director, Chris?
3: Um, I was always kind of like we review watching Octopussy again there's some really nice shots in there there's there's and there's Beautiful. it has a, it has a, you know i, I think there's, there's there is a a tendency to sort of lump him in the kind of the the workman kind of you know he just he just like plonks the camera down and then the action unfolds but there's some really really nice stuff in there that i think there's a bit where he jump off the uh, after the chase in the crowd in 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 india the the, the car goes a oh, rickshaw kind of thing goes goes past and you see the camera follows it and then you see bond in the crowd running past and there's that kind of movement of the camera and the bit where he's in the um he's in the gorilla suit and when he knocks the head of the gorilla suit you can see him coming up through the roof of the, the yeah, and that's again a it's, like, it's a shot. really nice shot that yeah and like i say i always and, and you know i think he really came to his own with, with living daylights so i thought that was where he kind of yeah it was starting to get more of a, a style, that like workman like approach to filmmaking where obviously he comes at it very much kind of nuts and bolts, you know, like say being an editor. I think he really starts to get into the, the like, like, you know, he's got a great D P with Alan Hume and stuff. But yeah, I think he's I think he's underrated. I think when people talk about like Terence Young and Guy Hamilton and, you know, I think I think he deserves to be kind of to you know, deserve the respect of, of of doing some really interesting films, and and as well as the tone as well, you know, going from things like you know For Your Eyes Your Eyes Only, which is obviously deliberately dark, and then you know Octopussy, which is kind of in between. Beautiful to Kill is a bit lighter in tone at times, and then the Two Daltons, which I think are, are, are great films, you know, regardless regardless of whether they're a
1: Bond film or not. I mean, the, those those five all of, in the eighties are just they're just my childhood. They really are. Yeah. So uh, uh, that's not all, of course, down to John Glenn, but hearing him talk about his films lovingly and he's he's just he's just a normal guy, isn't he? Mm. He he yes. really gets it. He's not uh, full of himself or anything. Uh, he obviously had a great relationship with Roger and then Tim, and yeah, I think by the time, of course, we had the huge gap and all the rights issues, where it meant when Goldeneye was ready it was, it was time for a new man wasn't he I mean I think he's nearly 90 now actually Joker. is he <laughs>
5: yeah. yeah.
1: well my, mine my was actually quite old uh, I think he's like mid 70s now what? but uh, yeah which is hard to think of but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll Again, we'll get on to GoldenEye another time, but <laughs> right right, man, right place, right time, wasn't it, uh, Ooh, yeah. for me. Certainly. If you like the Really 007 podcast, why not follow us on Facebook, as well as Instagram and Twitter. Look us up at Really 007 Pod. Really 007. So yeah, on uh, the the title of the film, which uh, by some has been quite a controversial title, <laughs> Um, I'll, again, let's have a little listen to to, to what uh, Roger thought of the, of the title.
6: The lady interviewing me said, "What what is the title of the next Bond film?" And I said, "Octopussy." And she blushed and she said, "You have to be joking." And I said, "Why? What's wrong with Octopussy?"
1: Yeah, so <laughs> Roger was uh, quizzed, and other actors were quizzed about it, and. All they could say was really, well, I know it sounds a bit weird and perhaps a little bit daring, but it was one of the, the books, albeit one based on the short stories, uh, alongside uh, Living Daylights. Now, hardly any of the plots of the short story Octopussy was used in the end. The scene at Sotheby's, which perhaps is my favourite scene from the film, that's drawn from the, the short story The Property of a Lady, which is also in Ian Fleming's collection. I think a bit of the Kamal Khan uh, reaction and, and that following the backgam game is also from Moonraker. But other than that, I think it was just um, the formulas tried and tested. We wanted uh, a lovely location like India to be shot, which was pretty groundbreaking at the time. Mm. I know as a as a youngster, and obviously no one really would have travelled all that way in the 80s. Very few people would have been there. So it opened, opened its... Uh, the West's eyes up in some ways, uh, a bit like Temple of Doom did. I'm not. We'll, we'll get on to all that later, but <laughs> perhaps not you know, slightly stereotypical <laughs> looks at how India is. And <laughs>
4: anyway, uh, yeah I So a, I think that's a fair assessment.
1: Yeah. Yes. Uh, so the the octopus. I was thinking about this actually. The octopus is the symbol of Spectre as well, um, particularly used in uh, the latest Spectre film. Say latest, but it's five years old now. But uh, the design of it is quite different uh, from the insignia in that, uh, and in the early bonds, because again, the Kevin McClory rights issue meant that they couldn't use Spectre ever since Thunderball, uh, and no, maybe you only know twice actually, because of course we have Blowfelt there, don't we? Um, and, sorry, a few of the other ones, didn't we? But ever since then, it, it, I think Fury's only could only elute, Um For instance, he was called Bull Man in a wheelchair, I think, in the in the cast list. So brilliant. I don't know whether as I said before <laughs> so good. We were trying to be a bit more Bond and have a few more Bond elements uh, but the the octopus logo would have would have sort of linked it a little bit more to Spectre. I think given that Octopus is seen as a as a you know a character we should actually invest in and not not completely bad certainly. Yeah. Uh, that she actually isn't related to Spectre in that way, personally. It's so
4: funny, mm-hmm. I've never seen this as associated with any other crime empire. I've never seen her to be, you know, connected to any Bond villain or villain scheme anywhere else in the franchise. Same with Kamal Khan, you know. They feel like they're totally um, independent, enterprising people. Um Well, I agree with
2: you, Rob. I mean, I, I, to me, they're smugglers at the end of the day, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. They are smugglers, and um, and then Kamal Khan obviously double crosses. And I've never thought of them as anything other. I've never thought of them as like megalomaniac uh, villains. Obviously, Kamal Kamal is a bit. But you know, I've never thought of Octopusy like that. So that is really interesting what you said.
1: Well, the, there is a megalomaniac in it, and we'll get to him a bit later. <laughs> a slightly over-the-top body. <laughs> anyway, yes, so uh, in terms of the script, uh, George MacDonald Fraser, who was famous for his Flashman novels, he was actually, interestingly, only for this film, was hired to do some work on an early draft, and he was the one who had the idea of setting it in India. The... The usual writers at this time were were actually Dick Maybaum and future producer Michael G Wilson, who is who is the main producer along with Brilliant. Barbara Broccoli at the moment. They did a lot of the scripts of the 80s ones, so you know I, you could argue that uh, Michael G Wilson's a, a better script writer than a producer, couldn't you? Really? Uh, again, we'll, we'll talk about that some other time. But uh, yeah, they they reworked the scripts and. <laughs> They, they discarded uh, Fraser's idea for the opening sequence which actually was set on the Isle of Man and it was going to be a TT motorbike chase that sounds quite good but this right. this this uh, opening scene was, a, was pretty spectacular but uh, yeah some apparently some of the, the moments you'd think would have been uh, perhaps criticised or changed were actually uh, ones that Cubby didn't like but uh, Michael G. Wilson and Dick Maybaum kept so those were things like being dressed as a gorilla and a clown. Um, again, if you just if you sort of say that out loud and don't know the context of the film, it sounds stupid. But uh, basically, this film is a collection of costumes and foods and uh, animals, isn't it? That's what I think. <laughs> uh, right. Now, lads, let's get on to the, to the actual film itself. To really go into detail, the anything stand out about the gun barrel sequence itself
4: oh it's interesting Mm. Um, only initially I think um, just the surge of delight going through my body when I saw it and I knew I was about to watch Octopussy
1: because like I say they had to get those traditional Bond elements in Mm. not that they were in the mood of dismantling them and you've got John Barry back as well
2: Mm. yeah it's very uh, it's very it's very John Barry-esque isn't it the score at the start of the Gun Barrel clip you're moving away from that um, that 70s Bond disco-y vibe and you've gone back to it's a bit slower paced there's a bit of strings and then there's the loud brass going on with the uh, mm. the hook line I love it
1: bit of symphony as well yeah.
2: so. it's, it's great yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, what else can you say yeah, yeah just... it's, it's, <laughs> the, it's the greatest music in cinema history isn't it so, yeah Yeah. I mean, yeah.
1: I know there was they had a court battle, didn't they, for years, John Barry and um, Monty Norman as to who who yeah. composed it. I think the answer is actually really Monty Norman borrowed it off off some uh, West Indian uh, music that he'd heard in the Caribbean. But uh, it I think it does it does emphasise it's John Barry's arranging of the theme personally because if mm. if you just take the original Bond theme as good as it was on the the electric guitar, some of the best Bond themes are the ones from the John Barry. Uh, scores, aren't they, within the scores
4: gosh, yeah. particularly
1: A View to a Kill and, I mean, well On a Manchester Secret Service as well, my word
4: But the underlying Uh, quality, the underlying usage of um, the Bond theme throughout this entire film it's a stunning soundtrack, isn't it?
1: Yeah, well that's, like I say, I think desperate to get the Bond film in a bit more more than they have been doing and Mm. uh, just keep the audience familiar that this is the real Bond in inverted commas
4: yeah, yeah, I love that. I've never thought about it like that. I mean, it,
2: just as a side note, and not to not to disagree with you, Rob, because I think it's a phenomenal soundtrack. <gasps> but um, I love the piece of music that the, the octopusy piece of music, especially when VJ dies. I think I think on this oh, soundtrack yeah. it's called VJ's death, and it has that little thing do 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 going yeah. on. And I tried to record that on guitar just for this podcast, and Rachel says to me. Why are you playing the Coronation Street thing? <laughs> 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 and I had never realised. Yeah, it
1: before. it's like a slightly different key, isn't it? To the. Yeah. Do, 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 do. Oh my yeah. god! Do,
6: do, 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 do. <laughs> yeah, that it is, isn't it? Ah,
4: that's amazing. I never thought about it like because that, that comes immediately after one of the best uses of that you know like when Bond has done something you know he's doing something cool or he's done something cool and it's the as he's leaving the scene you know and it's just quietly in the background you know the Bond theme like there's a brilliant I mean yes it's a big plastic crocodile he's in at that time but, um, <laughs> which we have, there's so many questions about that period I need to speak about.
1: There's so me. many crocodiles in the film
4: I mean, <laughs> yeah yeah
1: it's Ooh, Indian, so I mean, you, it must
2: so. <laughs> be. Yeah. You talked about costumes and you talked about animals, Tom, and there's the amalgamation
4: of both. Of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Costume <laughs> animals! <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think like I was I, as soon as it started and the action starts properly and the film starts properly, like I, I'm looking at it through, you know, like um, just you've you've watched we've we've all watched these movies so many times now that it's nice to watch. And again, now you can watch them in HD and see new things you'd never seen before, you know, and just tiny details. Um, But but initially here, I'm thinking like, why on earth is there an equestrian centre next to an Air Force base? (laughs) Because it was was filmed (laughs) in England, I think. The amount of injuries going on at this death trap of an equestrian centre. Yeah, so Um, here here we are,
1: the pre-title sequence. Um, Pretty spectacular stuff, I think, as a... Oh, yeah. The the normal... um, In Bonds, often, particularly these days, it seems to have to be related to the the rest of the plot, but this is a bit different in that it is just a one-off mission that uh, 007 is on. So I I quite like that.
4: Oh, yeah, it feels like the end of the previous movie. You know, and that's... I love that when Bond movies get this right. So, Rob... It feels so... Active, active, as an agent all the time, doesn't it? You know, like just one amazing mission onto another amazing yeah.
1: mission. Yeah, some are a bit low, more low key than than the others. Although yeah. you say that, and this is this wasn't, and say Goldfinger, <laughs> quite, quite an epic introduction that's not related as well, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Rob, what do you think about uh, Roger's absolutely gorgeous country clothes?
4: Uh, they're astonishing. I, I got me thinking about the Ni6 tailor. Uh, who they must have on site to you know the reversible into the military sort of the the two piece i just think it's all so nice the car he's driving is lovely as well um lovely aesthetic there because it's kind of like it's got like an enhanced suspension i think it's even bigger (laughs) than usual off the ground um and there's this right who's the lady in the crowd that um what's her name is it Caroline, or... The, no, I've, I've got it in this, bu- this book, I was reading it before, so I never excellent. knew what she was called. Because, um, like, I think there's a lost Bond line here. Um, so she's called, sorry Rob, she's go called for it, Bianca. Oh. Bianca, right, I apologise. Right, Bianca. Bianca. So, I mean, there's a terrible moment where she stood there, and obviously the, the general, or some military dude comes over and just i mean it's it's pretty bad <laughs> what goes on <laughs> you know and it like just has a good old look at her um but she's okay with that you know this is again this is a movie of a time we have to make that very clear um and then she meets up with james behind you know the and he's getting all the toro he sounds like a <laughs> and she says it's going to be dangerous and oh, i'm just in love with all of that stuff and um there's a really quick cut because Moore turns around to say something and his mouth opens and then we cut. Oh. So I think there's a lost payoff line there, a lost cheesy oh. line there well, he does that say, we never got to hear.
1: He just said, I'll see you in Miami. So. Uh, yes. That
4: that's later yours. on. Yeah. That's later on. That's um, when he's about to go and get the jet out of the back of the car. No, this is just, she puts a moustache on her and says, you know, be careful. And he, he goes, huh. cut. What did
6: he say? Oh. What did he say? Oh. What, I, mean,
4: okay, I, I was going to ask you guys. You know, what 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 would you say in that scenario? <laughs> what what what's your ideal thing for Rogers to have said at that point?
1: Um, I wouldn't possibly like to comment. I don't think.
4: <laughs> no,
2: no. There's probably a reason it's been left on the cutting <laughs> yeah, room that, floor. See,
4: that is, and, and in this movie with some of the lines that are in this movie, that's quite a feat. Yeah. <laughs> Do you like my moustache? <laughs> yeah! You know, d- oh, no! You know, like... I d- well, know, I don't want to... You know, there's going to be no... I can't ever delve to profanity, but, you know... <laughs> something about bull produce could have been said, you know, because it's just on the Toro thing, you know. Yeah. I don't know, you know. didn't understand can't...
1: that as a kid, obviously. Uh,
4: no, no, I, no. I think I do You're now. a Toro,
1: too. So, oh, what yes. a load of bull.
4: But, uh, yeah. It's uh, splendid, isn't I,
1: it? I quite, I quite like... Yeah, again the 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 score at this point. I think it's called Bond Lookalike on the soundtrack, and it, as he's sort of going into the centre, and then how he the the merging of the signal directly into whacking the guy on the back. Oh, I love that yes. so much.
4: The, the film's got two cheetah chops in it. This yeah, one. <laughs> it's got two of them. You know. <laughs> Absolutely lovely. You know, I'd love to. I'd really like to try it just to know because it looks like it can't be that painful. But imagine like a six foot four man going like yeah, yeah. that on your back. Like it must be. Like, oh. He, he is underweight at all, Roger. Yeah, is,
1: is, yeah. yeah. I, I, growing up, I was just thinking because he probably wasn't quite as tall as as Sean. I, I thought oh, he's, he's quite a small bond isn't he? No, 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 he's no. A massive,
4: huge man, isn't
1: he? He is. Huge, yeah. Um, yeah. So we. I mean, again, we we, we have a look more of the Toro, the puns. You're a Toro, too. Because, of course, he's posing as this guy, and they face up, and they look like each other, and it's quite a funny moment. <laughs> That's um, so nice. But that, <laughs> it's brilliant. The horse box. I think you used to be able to get a toy of
2: that. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. The, the 007 magazines gave it as one of the toys in the edition. Just the horse yeah. box? Yeah, you can like, get the horse box trailer. The trailer. Just it? the you trailer. Get... Like, no car. Yeah. No. Well, the, the, Jeep, the Jeep was a separate one. And oh right. <laughs> imagine I mean imagine like you know Mum, i got a horse box for Christmas.
1: <laughs> you know I mean?
2: Are you OK? Oh, it's a
4: boy. We've, we, we've, we've slightly gone past the, the hugely unsubtle bomb that Bond was trying to place. Just oh, him, yeah, he yeah. looks like a kid's <laughs> toy. That is,
1: you know, just like gets caught in something. the axe <laughs> immediately,
4: doesn't it? He? I mean, he's, he's rubbish at this point. He's wandered in, cheetah-chopped a dude and got caught immediately. I <laughs> mean, just, immediately. If he'd, if he'd done it well,
1: he wouldn't have had to then do
4: fly the thing into it. And no, no. Do, you know, do no, it that way. I, it? I, yeah, I, I mean, oh dear, we've got so much... Because he's so cool, isn't he, here, Roger? Yeah. And and so, y- you're on his side so much, aren't you? Oh, I, I,
1: I love it. I, yeah. Uh, we then get to a bit of the, the sort of... Uh, certainly growing up, we found it hilarious. Perhaps not quite as appropriate behaviour at the moment in the fact... When, when, when he's... I, I, you know, I've no idea for a start why... <laughs> Why they're not undercover? They have to be outside uh, <laughs> uh, the car, whilst whilst the the guys in the machine gun who, who don't look Cuban at all, or wherever this is, because it must be the <laughs> you know? They do look know. like sort it, of it, British stuntmen. It, it's they? kind of referencing Cuba, isn't it? Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. they've got they've got the machine guns pointed at him. There doesn't seem to be any way out, even though Roger just doesn't look in the slightest bit bothered. Um, <laughs> but then Lady Bianca comes past, of course. Yeah, yeah. And uh, what else? What's the only thing that women have got to offer to? Uh, to... <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: it's just brilliant that like Roger's got two machine guns pointing at him and he can just do a dirty wink and a nod <laughs> yeah.
4: and both these guys will just turn around and have a look. It's it's superb, isn't it? I, it's class. Yeah. Um... <laughs> I just, yeah, I just—it's the the nodding. I mean, he's the music is so playful it's at this point, yeah. you know, like the music is in on the gag here, you know, encouraging, <laughs> just sort of like nodding us along a little bit, and, and you know, it is it is like that, isn't it? Tom, like quite yeah. quite lascivious, you know, it's like the, it's in tune with his eyebrows, know. isn't he?
1: It? it is It's it? a yeah. uh, proportion.
4: Um, and then you know he does the the boom with the you know the parachutes yeah. and, yeah. And, yeah. and everyone goes back and. He dives in the back and it's brilliant. Again, you're already getting flavour for just how good the stunt work in this film is going to be. Um, and then um, he's got a machine gun now. Takes out the oh. tyres after again more terrible behaviour from, uh, you know, a person in military um, officialdom. Some military superiors in this nation, wherever we are, they're all in on the gag of looking at women all the time. <laughs> <laughs> just another good old look over there. Yep. Um, There's a lot of in this
1: film, I'll tell you. There really is. It, it.
4: Right, I I think something that didn't, you know, register when I was younger was just, like, collateral damage that goes on in films. Have you seen what happens to this quiet family chicken farm here? (laughs) (laughs) It's absolutely destroyed. (laughs) <laughs> this, is a, this is a family on the street after this. Absolutely. <laughs> this, chickens have been mangled under jeep tyres. The whole building has been flattened. This impoverished livestock farmer and his family are in ruins because of Bond. <laughs> and he's
3: showing a bit of... Um... I don't know, the, the, in that scene you look at it, I think one of them falls off a ladder into a pile of manure and I think that shows a bit of restraint on the behalf <laughs> not to, <talk> to <laughs> a pratfall into some manure and then back to Roger. Uh,
4: yeah. But it's, yeah. Like,
3: it's, it's nice to have that in the background. It's like, uh, yeah. He gets well, but the, bit,
1: sense, the
4: sense of fun is there though, isn't it?
1: Yeah. It yeah. yes. gets a bit Superman 3, um, which yes. I think is a brilliant film, but anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I love how yes when he before that when he's got the machine gun he, he's suddenly got the machine gun his face he's still smiling whilst he's yeah, directing I, the, just... at the at the jeep <laughs> is so good he's having I mean,
4: such a good time that's yeah.
1: something Rogers probably the best at isn't he I think oh yeah yeah yeah
4: yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. so yeah then
1: um, we get to the stunt with the the incredible miniature plane which oh, is real yeah. and, uh, it's a star again now, there's no way that. They, they just do it with CGI now weren't they it's such a dangerous oh, yeah, stunt yeah. so I we were saying before we uh, chatted to our little niece who's uh, 7 or 8 I think should know that but he he, um, he he likes the early ones because of that proper raw special effects lack, lack of uh, special effects more the stunt work and he mm. says you could tell it, it's really happened so I think that's uh, certainly the case here I know there's a few miniatures here and there but the way bomb goes, it the the way it flies everywhere, flies around. It's interspersed, obviously, with Roger, who probably wasn't in the plane. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> it's an unbelievable back
4: projection. Yes,
1: it is, it is pretty good
4: actually. <laughs> it is. No, I truly like when the jet picks up speed. I'll never not be taken out with how, ha- mm. it sort of like surprised by how quick that is. Like wow, it really is an amazing piece of machinery. This, um, but that when it goes into the building. I, I can't see the joints, no. At all. I don't know how it was done. I can't do it. Do you agree ah! with that? You can't oh, yes. see the the Yes,
3: the,
1: the pole. Yes.
4: The oh, can there. you?
3: Yeah.
1: The, yeah. the aircraft. Oh too.
4: no! I'm going to have to have a look at this. I, I've been so <laughs> excited about watching. You know, like the amount of times watching it. Like I just don't know how they do this. And I've obviously, yeah, been an idiot. But I think like,
3: <laughs> that that idea, even though it's you know it's it's in camera, so. We're, we're, Regardless of whether it's a model or you know a real thing, there's just something you know tactile about it. Yeah. And even if it's Roger Moore sat in front of a back projection, it's still Roger Moore in that. You know, not someone's cut and paste and then put them dropped in the yeah, green yeah. screen and then that. It just it, like you say, and and I think it's um, I think like you say that that opening scene, the, the, the stunt work in this film is some some of the best in terms of mm. just yep. how solid it oh, yeah. is and. There's a like I say it's exciting and uh, there's a real tension to it. I think it's a let's say in, in that opening scene you can tell that the kind of maybe not it's not maybe not box ticking, but there is a kind of a, that balance of let's you know, let's you know, one for the dads, you know, kind of <laughs> uh,
5: yeah,
3: let's have a joke here, let's and then we've got the action, this sort of stuff. And it, it is of all the Roger Moores, it's kind of does have that it's still grounded you know it's still even yeah. though it's a tiny little player, yeah. it still feels like obviously it was a real one but it still feels that that is possible and then, I like I say they were completely missing I'm surprised they missed, you know any jokes about a horse's arse you know when it yeah. comes yeah. up maybe
4: that's stuff. what he was going
3: <laughs> to say
4: to Bianca
1: earlier yeah <laughs> I used to be maybe. obsessed that if I ever saw a horse box going around on the motorway <laughs> <laughs> I used to be like is it real is it real
2: is there, is there a, an Acrastar in there somewhere <laughs> Going to the AquaStar, I've always liked to see it as like the 80s version of Little Nelly. Yes. Yes, yes, So, like, I've always loved It's 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 blatantly not, but I've always loved that kind of thought of that just this is Q Branch's 80s remake of Little Nelly.
1: Yeah. And again, maybe there was that idea to try and make it more Bond (laughs) or they'll love a Little Little Nelly recreated. Mm. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, the. I don't, know, I don't know if you've seen the making of, but uh, the John Glenda sort of described how he shot when it goes into the hangar, that he basically tried to get as ma- as many vehicles and people blocking what was the stunt, which was actually the Acrostar uh, was fixed on a pole to the top of the Jaguar, going at about 50 miles an hour, racing through. That's wow. how they did the internal shots. If you look and pause it very quickly, you can see the pole. Because it's yeah, so fast great. and he and he blocked it with loads of these shots. You, you're just totally the, taken it's in by it. And the side as well, so the yeah. wings... Are so great. And, and, and the, the sound door, effects. The yeah. doors are closing yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. I
4: mean, it's yeah. Yeah. Oh, such an exhilarating sequence. Um, and then it runs out of fuel. What, oh, yeah. What an awful machine. <laughs> you get 90 seconds of flight time and then you run out of fuel. It's like A filler
1: <laughs> up Yeah, and, and, and this... Um, electric fusion car isn't it is <laughs> it
5: really, really last
1: very long that's we yeah yeah so um, and then it seems we seem to be in Hicksville USA don't we some guy who, I don't know uh, what's going on who's at a petrol on, station yeah. I mean it's pure it's pure Roger isn't it and the, the,
4: the hands on his face the awkward hands yeah oh it's brilliant fill her yeah. up please it's oh, a bit it's weird brilliant speaking of it. weird this this title sequence <laughs> oh my word i i never realized just how many nipples there are yeah. on this scene there's a lot i yes. couldn't believe it mm. I, I mean i love how it just feels like is it uh forgive me is this a morris bender or is he yeah
1: yes it is yeah yeah, it is, I think, yeah
4: i think he does it. i just love like right lie down here's a disco laser <laughs> <later. laughs> No, get nude, obviously. Um, now, now get, now get up, get naked. We're gonna do ice skating. Now, more nude sideways gymnas- <laughs> gymnastics, and then, and then we're gonna do a mashup of all those things with lasers and boobies. Someone's gonna
3: swing you round.
4: Yeah, the sun below and, is gonna swing you around. I mean, give you an
3: arm and a leg. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's just,
4: and, and it, it's going very partridgey. Yeah, it yeah. It's just <laughs> so <laughs> weird. Um, then words slide awkwardly out yeah. of guns, you know, in yeah. freeze frame. Yeah, it's just a bit hard. I mean, obviously, I love every tarnished second of it. But is it, Rob? <laughs> is it the kind of thing now, if if you showed, watch that
1: with your kids, when you feel slightly awkward? Well, yes. Yeah, I, I mean, felt awkward watching it as a girl.
5: <laughs>
4: yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You know, look,
4: but
3: I think it was a bit. Like, yeah, I say I think he's been, you know, Morris biddy has been responsible for some amazing title sequences. Yeah. But it was quite apparent he was running out of steam on that one. It was just like, right. Well, what's the expectations? Yeah. Nipples and silhouette. You know. Oh, like you say, now we've got a laser machine, so let's let's project something onto here. You know, it, it was a bit. You know, I was kind of like hoping it would move along a bit quicker,
1: but um, yes. But Chris, can, is that... Sorry, no, go on, John.
2: No, I'm just saying on the Morris Binder thing, you, you're right, Chris, you can see the deterioration throughout it. So I think his last one is possibly "Licensed to Kill. And if I had one criticism of that mm. perfect film, it would actually be the title sequence that has absolute zero connection to the rest of the plot. Mm. And I think, that he, I think that you see it even with View to a Killer bit, alright, it's got the neon fluorescent vibes going on and all that, but he's running out of ideas, isn't he?
1: Mm. Yeah. But, feels oh. that way.
2: Because then you yeah. get
1: Goldeneye with all the, the lovely communist statues and yeah. again, yeah, that's, slightly, that's, that's, That is sensation. Yeah. That is absolutely
2: so, sensation. So.
1: Yeah. I think the Casino Royale is probably one of my
4: favourite modern day. Yeah, yeah.
1: I agree. Uh, and the yeah. song is amazing as well. Things. But we, we will. We <laughs> will no, pay. No, even,
4: we'll, I even I think all that's good.
1: There are compliments to pay. Uh, there are. There are.
2: Yeah. But there, there are many compliments to fake They're
1: good. Good. <laughs> it's like one big spoiler alert, isn't it, for the Casino Royale? <laughs> so, yeah. oh. jo- join us next week, join us please. Next week. Join. <laughs> yes.
2: next time six minutes. Six minutes. Check.
1: So the actual song itself. Now, the choice of Rita Coolidge apparently was Barbara Broccoli. She Ooh. just happened to like her, Had her dad was playing the CDs, which it, it probably explains it's quite an odd choice. Apparently, she'd had a peak in the uh, a few years ago before this came out, so it was a bit of an unusual choice. I don't think she is related to President Coolidge, as uh, some people have, have rumored, but um, she, yeah, she she had a few hits, I think, in the seventies, but this one. I, I personally think because it's a bit more adult contemporary, it did actually reach number one on the adult contemporary chart in in, uh, in America, cool. which is probably quite a nice thing, but that showed the producers uh it's probably not really the chart we want to be on. And then they got in, of course, Duran Duran for the next one to try and make it a bit more hip. And ju- actually, A View to a Kill, the song, is the only one that's been number one in America. So wow, good fact for you, yeah. But, yeah, I... I I think, for me, the, the actual the score and the, the love theme is so good. It's so John Barry. But yeah. the song version of it perhaps doesn't do it quite justice. Maybe the production, maybe the arrangements, uh, the sax, and yeah. I don't know.
3: And it's it's I, very I unforgettable. It's very, like, in a pub quiz, that would probably with the one that I would struggle to... What's the name of the song from Octopussy? Well, it's yeah. not Octopussy, so what is it? And yeah. I think you can tell it has that. Tim Rice's uh, lyrics are, well, like you say, adult contemporary. <laughs> not, he's, he's not down with the kids, you know <laughs> but it's not to, to distracting. You know, yeah. you know. I, I think that you know, like you say, this this is the beginning of John Barry's some of the best work he does. You know, I think I think you can he- you hear some of the themes, some of the, the, the pieces of music, more the incidental music in this yeah, that yeah. he carries on, on to View to a Kill and then to into Living Daylights, and I think it's some of his best work. Um, but, yeah, the song is instantly forgettable, and I, I do think that the, the, the pulp Jarvis Cocker version is miles better. Well, I
4: think... You- no, it's weird that I... I sorry, I thought that um, when I was a kid and I had the CD, you know, the sa- soundtrack CD... Um, the first one I had of those actually went up to License to Kill. It didn't have anything further on it. That's how long, as a, as a reference, how long I've <laughs> wow. been getting those CDs. But, um, yeah, sadly, it was the one I always skipped because I just didn't get yeah. it as a kid. Didn't yeah. understand it. Didn't feel, at the time for me, it didn't feel Bond enough. Um, it's the intro, whereas,
1: of, isn't it? The saxophone, I think, that just puts you the, off instantly, maybe. I,
2: I, and I think sax- that was the so thing that made you want to
4: skip. Sorry. Yeah,
1: yeah, I
2: know what you mean. No, no. Th- I think one of the problems with it is, is it's it's onto a tricky start because it's very difficult to write a song called Octopusy. Yeah. So mm. because, and I think, I mean, like how
1: do you in do general, it? well, <laughs> that's it. It did, they did <laughs> what manage you it though do? with uh, the Spy Love Me, didn't they? Not, no, not well, that, that, they is, the yes, that's that true, is the yeah. so exception. That is the complete exception for notes, me because
2: I think nobody does it better. It's a great song. But mm. I think of some of the tripe that has been churned out recently mm. from Spectre and from Quantum of Solids. Hang on, hang it. Yeah, no, no. I mean, like, you know, in terms of those songs that have come there, and I just think they've really misfired with those. But I do think that doesn't help it. But I do think it just sounds so incredibly dated. But if I'm being honest, that era, so for your eyes only as well, I'm not a fan of that song mm. and I'm not a massive fan of Moonraker either and I Whoa. just think it's that era of John Barry's sco- of song scores and the songwriting that is probably my least favourite out of the Bond areas
1: you know me John you know I love a ballad so I won't hear any criticism of the Moonraker song I think it's one of the loveliest well, melodies you've ever heard
4: See which uh, I can't and
1: some of it, the no. worst lyrics where are you oh yeah
6: why do
3: you it, The melody again, the instruments. The that open with yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're right. But again, I, it, it, it's, it's not a, a pop bit... song,
2: is it? No. But you're right, but no. but can I just please, without destroying you, just read the <laughs> lyrics to <laughs> this song. <laughs> Tim Tim right. Where are you? No, no, Moonrake. Oh, Moonrake, oh, but right, 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 I'm right, just saying. Right, yeah. just, uh, where are you? Why do you hide? Where is that moonlit trail? The moonlight trail, sorry, that leads to your side. Just like the moon goes <laughs> in search of his dream of gold. His? What? <laughs> yeah. uh, I search for love for someone to have and hold. I've seen your smile in a thousand dreams. Oh, I felt your touch, and it always seems...
5: You love me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> You love me. I... No, I I wanna know what is the Moonraker and what is he doing searching for the dreams of gold? And for that reason alone, <laughs> I've never liked the song. I'm oh, Yeah, I mean that yeah. is Moon like that. another one, I don't
1: yeah. How on earth did you get crowbar that into the the lyrics? And it well, it doesn't work, does it?
2: Moonraker.
1: <laughs> <doesn't>
2: <laughs> 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 He's the
4: one <laughs> yeah. searching for gold somewhere.
1: Yeah, so all-time all high. It's uh, did well in the UK charts. Got to number seventy-five. So, do you, what do you think? Of course, you, you have mentioned it, John, but there's another extremely weird version of it, isn't there? But perhaps you think this is a better version of it. I don't know whether you can uh, you can hear. It. All I wanted was a sweet
5: distraction for an hour or two.
2: I never intended to do. Um, it, it sounds like a Mickey take. I mean, no. I don't know if it is or it's not, but it does, it just sounds like it's a Mickey take. And if it is, it would be more entertaining. That's it's the way that you
1: have to kick in. <laughs> this, this is pretty much how, eventually, how David Arnold got the gig, wasn't it? Before yeah. it dies. This album from the the Shaking Stirred project. You, you had it, Rob yeah. yeah,
4: I had it, yeah,
1: yeah. I got that the same year as. Notes, isn't it? It's not very wrong, is it? it? <laughs> well, I mean, am I allowed to
4: say that that is not serious? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 I do agree. It's I think a bit it's like Frank is. Sinatra, isn't it? It's
5: not quite.
1: Right.
4: It's not rapping. Being, it's it's not being so unfair to Frank Sinatra. Well, it is, it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But you know,
1: he just sort of does that instead of uh, he's, he's...
2: Jarvis Cocker, the Sheffield Frank Sinatra. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
3: well. <right>. Wow. <laughs> Did he write a. Uh, he'd come out of ice, he promote a dive to vote a thing? Yeah. Song, and
1: it well, was rejected. That's... That's one of the funny things isn't it, if, if someone asked you what, what the Pulp songs sound like you'd say, they sound pretty bomb, but, mm. but, but the one who submitted for that didn't sound bomb at all. <laughs> anyway, so there you go, that's, uh, that's, that, that was the Pulp version, but again for me the favourite bits of that are the bits that are in the original song anyway, the sort of strings.
4: Yeah, I mean the start sounded like an art installation. <laughs> that you were you know, like you were stood in front of like a blank white wall, and you were being played a piece of music, and like people are going
1: so contemporary so new amazing,
4: place. yeah, yeah, I don't know what it is I'm looking at, please so defend it chris
1: i i
3: I think it's a it was, when I got that album, um it was the one that i wasn't that I used to skip because i because I didn't really like the song anyway, and like you said, those opening whispers. His job, whispering into your ear, is slightly <laughs> off-putting. Um But I, I, do, I do come back to, it and I think it's a again, it's a really interesting version of the song, which I think is a, is flat, and at least whether you whether you like it or not, I think it, there's an attempt to make it interesting, and I do think it yeah, is a, a, yeah. a, 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 you know, no, it's not the best cover version. I like
4: that. I like that. Yeah, I'll give it. Definitely give it another listen based on that recommendation. That's all for part one. But join
1: us for part two, where we will be discussing the Rickshaw Chase and the villains of Octopussy.